Hello friends and welcome to Fitness Unfiltered. It's been a while. It's been a good few weeks. Um, we are joined by the usual tro troop. Mike, how are you? I am fine, thank you. Nice and short and sweet. And Em, how are you? I am also fine, thank you. We are excited, thrilled, exhilarated, pumped. Any other adjectives you want to throw at it to welcome our international guest today because uh, we couldn't think of anyone possibly better positioned to hype you up, inspire you and start 2021 after an incredibly rough 2020, any better way, all the way from the States, Mr. Martin Rooney. Welcome, it Martin. Is, it is my pleasure to be here. And I want to tell everybody, there's a lot of great things that happen offline where this three, these three, this trio, these three musketeers were just on fire going crazy. And when they hit the record button, they brought, they brought it British down. It was like, hello, everyone. <laughs> now we're going to start a fireside chat with Martin Rooney. Where don't I take full responsibility for that. Yeah, That's don't totally let my fault. guys fool you. They were just like super pumped up right there. It where, is because uh, look, hey. I'm going to get rolling into my historical <laughs> fanboy habit here. Because Martin, I, I came across your stuff uh, back when I was 19. And this is when I first got an interest in strength and conditioning. This isn't going to be all about me. Just, just to run the distance past it. But I got pummeled by like much bigger, stronger guys at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I would pair up with 20 stone guys. That's to us in the UK. That's probably around 300 pounds to, to US listeners. And I came across your work and I, I believe I invested in the Parisi Speed School full shebang <laughs> way back when. Uh, signed up as training for Warriors. Then it was, I saw you at the UKSEA conference. What was that, 2008, 2009? And everyone was captured, engaged. And I think you could have said anything and anyone would have believed it. So that is why we have you on. That's my hysterical yeah. fanboy bit out of the way after my very British intro. Um, but more than anything, we wanted to get you on to discuss the art and, you know, quite quite a broad topic, I guess, the art of or whether you believe coaching is an art or science or more of one or the other. But before I forget, I just want to give a, a special thank you to our mutual friend, Mr. Tom Robertson, facilitating our chat as well, because I guess I would have probably just slid into your DMs and been ignored otherwise. So I'm very grateful for him facilitating our chat. So Martin, coaching, is it an art or science, do you believe? Wow. So well, well, here's how I would describe it. I would say it's both, right? Like, uh, you know, for instance, a lot of people ask me sometimes, I, I remember I was getting on Twitter the first time. This would be a great story. I was getting on Twitter the first time and I said, well, how do you use this? What do you have to do? And people said, oh, well, you ask a question or something and then people will start answering it and you create engagement. And I said, okay, well, hey, if I was at a restaurant, should I have lobster or should I have steak, right? And so many people said lobster, lobster, lobster. And then some people said, no, lobster is like a, a bug on the bottom of the ocean. You gotta have steak, steak, steak. And, and then one guy wrote, and I'll never forget it. He said, hey man, you're Martin Rooney. You have both. <laughs> he said surf and turf and the best way that I can describe coaching as far as I have investigated it and and not just investigated but had my boots on the ground for so many years at so many different levels that it is both you there is not one methodology if there was everyone would be using it and that would be it there isn't just one style it, a coach can come from many different places but yet there are principles and there are uh, 
approaches, whether you say from psychology or, or communication or the language that you speak, that there is science on helping to produce results as well. So I say that I try to stay grounded in both. I want to know the current literature, but I also want to uh, be an artist like I'm painting on a canvas and it's, and it's my style and my art. So I guess the short version answer would be coaching is an art, but here's something funny that I say, you might like this. Coaching would be easy if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> and hopefully that makes sense that it's, uh, it's the people that get in our own way. And it's because every one of them is an individual. They're like a puzzle, you know, you have to solve each one and there is no one silver bullet or magic potion that will fix everyone. And that's the artistry, right? That's the excitement with coaching and no better place can I say I've experienced it now that through quarantine and hey, maybe this is an important time to say this too for everyone listening, depending on when you hear it. Right now we are still, we've kind of, we're in our second lockdown, but the vaccine is on the verge of being here with us. But uh, this has been one of the most trying times and I hope everyone is safe and well that is listening to this. But uh, my experience is, so everyone knows I have four daughters, three of them are teens. I've been locked inside my house for 11 months with them and it has taken my coaching, uh, you know, it, my coaching artistry to, an, to another level. But I will be proud enough to say that uh, it has made me better. And probably the shining moment of this entire process has been uh, my oldest daughter who is, you know, don't tell her this, but my greatest coaching experiment, you know, I'm 18 years in and uh, she just got the most wonderful news that an athlete can almost get in the United States where she has been uh, you know, accepted to the uh, track and field team at the University of Notre Dame, which is uh, you know, arguably one of the best universities in the United States or the world. And, uh, and that was a testament to not only can I coach high level athletes or get results around the world, but to do that with your you know, 16, 17, 18 year old yeah. daughter, that one is a challenge. And uh, so do so, you coach her? Are yes. you her coach? Yep. So I am, I am the high school track coach. I was the middle school track coach. Uh, I was, uh, but I've been her coach since she was a little, little kid. Now she's had other coaches as well. Don't think that uh, I'm the only one, but for, I'll say this for the last 10 months, we have, we didn't lighten up, Emma, we tightened up. And I said, Hey, we have a choice here. We can let this slip away or we can double down. And, and we, I mean, we were in the house doing body weight. We were breaking, you know, onto the track when you weren't allowed to go there to train. We were just doing everything in our power to be more when I felt like everyone else might do less. And mm. it paid off in the biggest way ever. And, uh, and I'll tell you guys this, she called me upstairs to a room and this has been an arduous and scary process for kids in the U S to try to get into the, a school of their dreams. And uh, I went upstairs and she was crying, sitting on her bed. And I was terrified. I'm thinking, oh man, it's all over or nothing's gonna happen. And she handed me her phone. And on the phone, it said, you know, welcome to the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. You're, you're you know, you're, you're in. And, uh, and I've had some top hugs in my life, but that one is in the top five. And uh, with all the stress that everyone has experienced, I think the lesson there is guys, stay consistent, stay with what you're doing. This is not an excuse to eat poorly. This is not an excuse to take time off or sit back. Why not, why not be better than you were, you know, in some capacity than when you went into 
this cocoon, right? And uh, and we did it, and yeah. So, but it was an art. To again answer the question, it was as an it was an art as much as a science. And if you think it was all roses and no battles, no way. But a coach is never going to let their athletes down. And and every morning I would wake up with that mindset. Whereas everything was being taken away, that was one thing I could still control, and we did it. Yeah, that was. I think it's an amazing mindset as well to be like, this is an opportunity. As in, this is an opportunity where, where as you said, most people are going to do less for me to do more. And I always remember this quote from Daley Thompson, who was a decathlete. Yeah, yeah, it's you know. Yeah, I don't know if if you heard from him. I don't know if you. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Well, my daughter, my daughter is a heptathlete, so you know, not only. Not only uh, Daley Thompson, obviously, and he was more my era, but yeah. uh, and, and I was a track and field athlete in college too. But uh, but your uh, heptathlete gold medalist, she's got her books. Uh, oh, and here's a great story too. A little shout out, Martin Rooney. You know, you're who was a captain of the British team. He we write, back and, we write back and forth all the time because I met him at a seminar in Wembley stadium a long time ago. So he writes about Sophia all the time and he's been, he's been uh, such a great guy too. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, British track and field. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I was going to say, I always remember a quote from him, which was that like on Christmas day, I trained twice because I know my biggest competitor won't train. Now I was like, oh, that always stuck with me. So yeah, I, I was a, I wouldn't say an athlete, but I did track and field it like throughout school and then on to university but it was like never particularly good but what I was very good at was the training side yeah and I think like things like that and just like the motivation behind it and I know the hard work that goes into that and I think especially this year like I still have a lot of friends who are athletes and for them knowing that like the season wasn't going to happen this year will it happen next year the Olympics have been pushed back like I think people don't realize that's someone's whole life and for an Olympic year to be pushed back especially when like to win the Olympics, most people have to be peaking. That doesn't last for very long. You've got like finite number of years that that's going to last. So for them to stay motivated and keep training throughout all of that is phenomenal. No, it's a, it's an incredible process. Here's one gift though. You spoke about gifts with Daley Thompson. I'm going to give you a big one right now, Emma. Uh, You are an athlete. I, I heard something in there like, Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't really an athlete, but you know, I went to university for track and field. No, you're an athlete and and you are what you think you are so i want to make sure you understand that so if you did it <laughs> you you did it there's no question about that and yeah my uh my best friend he's the head coach now of the canadian bobsled team and they're kind of in hiding waiting to see if any season is going to happen you know obviously with martin rooney i'm always trying to motivate him a little to continue to you know hey it's one more year now man you got to you got to you got to do this and it's yeah. So I don't think people have any idea uh, how, because <laughs> what it takes to be at that level and then to have it stripped away. Now at least maybe only for a year, but yeah, even that could be one of the scariest things ever. So yeah, it's uh, this has been a trying time for everybody, and I don't want to discount that. Like, hey, we're talking about Olympians, and people might say, oh well you know, what about me? I've lost my business or, uh, you know, I, I can't be open as a gym owner and Hey, everybody has their challenges. But like you said, I think originally everybody it's about the mindset and how you respond to those challenges is how, ha- is who you're going to become. And this was my ultimate test for that. 
where my business has been incredibly challenged. Again, I mentioned my family, in many ways, my career and everything that I've built for 20 years. But hey, I could sit around and sulk about it or I could, I could do something more. And hey, this is a little top secret information. But today, right before this and why I'm so, I am amped up right now, I got booked to write the sequel to Coach to Coach, and I just sent it in the finished uh, draft. You've done it, and uh, so and it's way better. You know, see, Dan <laughs> sat up for that one. It's way better. I got professors reading it. They said, "Whoa, man, this is way better than the first one." I said, "Yeah, the first one was just a teaser." So uh, expect that in 2021. But same thing. Like I could have sat around and surfed the internet, or I could have pulled out my greatest work, and that's what I chose to do. And uh, it hasn't failed me yet. Right? Yeah, this is one of the things that I found like particularly challenging among this whole sort of situation is that looking at people tell their stories, like you know, I've I felt I've I've been particularly fortunate in throughout the pandemic in the sense that well, apart from like having COVID, um, I've you know my business hasn't changed, although it's how I've delivered it has changed, but my income hasn't been under threat. My livelihood hasn't been under threat. You know, most of most of the things that I need to do, I can still do. And I see, see people every day because I go to work and all that kind of stuff, which a lot of people have lost. And so I felt very, because I, I was in a sort of similar situation from a from kind of a, you know, a training and nutrition point of view is I felt I was just getting back on track when things started and the gym closed. And then actually like I really doubled down and I've been doing home training with a Skype PT and I've been doing, you know, been really on top of my nutrition for, you know, more consistently than I feel like I've ever been. But I have almost been embarrassed to talk about it because I felt like I don't want to make other people feel bad because I know that, that the reason I've been able to do that is because I'm lucky and et cetera, which is cool. But then I've also heard a lot from a lot of other people who are telling stories which have been like horrific things have happened to them, to their family, they've lost businesses, they've lost loved ones, they've lost this, that, and the other. And they've also, you know, been consistent with their training and their nutrition and they've been, and they've improved other things and they've read books and they've done, and I just, like, I find it really difficult because how, how, how do you kind of navigate that landscape of wanting to encourage people that people can make the most of things while also, not making them feel really bad that they haven't done so thus far. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, absolutely. And here's what I would say. And what I'm hearing there, which is very, which is interesting. I'm sure there would be a psychological explanation, meaning look what you just said in a short version, right, doc? You said, well, wow, everybody's sharing horrific stories, but wow, if I share something good, am I guilty? Have I, you know, and it's like, no, I would say somebody out there that could benefit from what you say and instead of fearing, maybe I'd say, oh, well, you don't live in my world or you don't get it, where you're probably not going to change that person's negative mindset anyway, why it would be like having this great gift for someone and you don't give it. And I don't know, like, hey, right now, God, I'll say I have had incredible challenges during this process, but that's not where I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on how I have succeeded in overcoming them. And I want to share that with people. And if somebody doesn't like it, then you know what? That person needs it the most because they're probably a negative person. But, or in your case, if you had a medicine that you could, like right now, here, a great example. I'm having a breakthrough. I'm having a breakthrough, Mike. The vaccine is coming out, right? Yeah. 
there are going to be people that say, don't take the vaccine. It'll kill you. It's, it's crazy. Uh, you can't trust it. It's, it's, yeah. they're going to track you, blah, blah, blah. They're and all in like, my comments. Yeah. And it's, you know what? You have a vaccine too. It's called positive energy. It's called positive mindset. And that's as contagious as the negative one. So don't, hey, don't fear giving it out. It's just some people are going to choose to take it and some won't. But don't let yourself be affected by, don't, don't be held hostage by the negative person that might say, I don't want your positive vaccine, Mike. You don't get where I'm coming from. No, because there's going to be somebody that read it that maybe was in a really dark place and pulled them out. And that's what I would say is as long as you are always trying to deliver something positive of note, you know you did your job, right? Like, remember, physician first do no harm. Remember that one? You know, that's uh, that was the first thing I learned the first day of medical school, right? The Hippocratic Oath. And you know what? It's a lot longer than that, but the real message is don't hurt anybody, man. As long as you're doing your best to make somebody better, you're doing okay. And you ready for this? This is the Hippocratic Oath of coaching. And instead of being... Uh, hypocritical i want people to be more hypocritical and that is uh that's my take on what we just heard so look we've we've made emma an athlete we've made you a positive doctor forever we're set mike i mean dan we just have to fix what's going on here and we'll be and we'll be ready. <laughs> well that's not it is very british and there's not much i can do about being very british <laughs> yeah no, no. we got to make you american and you'll be ready <laughs> no, but that was the good thing. And, you know, we haven't mentioned it already, but Martin's book, Coach the Coach, uh, the reason why, one of, the, one of the many reasons we want to get Martin on is because there's not just lessons on coaching in there, there's lessons on leadership, there's lessons on parenting. Um, I especially enjoy the bits around but the skills needed to become an excellent coach because it's not just an athletic population you work with, you also work largely with the general population. Um, but things around coachability, as I said, the empathy, but you're very much, and what, what we tend to enjoy, and this is our biases, is you're very person-focused. Like you're very people-centric well, rather I, than... That's coaching, man. <laughs> it know? is, but you know. do you know what? Interestingly, we're going through a bit of a movement at the moment, positively or negatively. Some people are going to listen to this and roll their eyes, but there's much around making lots of people out of money rather than focusing on getting the best out of people. Yeah, very much our ethos and you know i think i share that with with you is uh, getting the best out of people first and the rest will come and that, that's one of the biggest things i took away from the book well watch this i'll even take that one step further is uh it's not getting the best out of people first it's getting the best out of yourself first right like so one thing i've really been thinking about is uh if I had never discovered my passion and the intersection with my purpose, which I believe is to be a coach and to, to be enthusiastic and to be positive, if I had never pulled all that out of myself and developed myself, then I could never do it for someone else. So I would say, yeah, people are a few steps down the line. They say, oh, I wanna be either this online guy or squeeze people for money. And they're not even trying to develop the person. They haven't even developed themselves yet. And, uh, and that's the real, I don't know, the journey or the, I, I wouldn't have traded all my experiences and, and the growth for any of it. And what I did was then I got to write about it. So coach to coach for anyone listening, it's a story. It's not a textbook. It's not a manual. It's a story with stories within the story. And here's the, the really cool news. You ready? They're all true. 
They all happened. It's real. So you brought up parenting. The, the mistakes I made in parenting are in there. Like the mistakes I made in my marriage, they're in there. The mistakes I made in coaching, that's how I learned those lessons and investigated. And uh, so really what coach to coach is, is 30 years of making huge mistakes. But if you read it, you don't have to, right? And, uh, but that was a personal journey of discovering myself so that then I could help someone else. And I think everybody needs to hear that because uh, in the world of trying to fast track it, you know, hey, I want to lose, I want to lose a couple of stone in a day. Where's the new superfood from the Amazon, right? Oh man, will, will it just be if I go gluten free? And it's, man, there's so much deeper than that. And I don't know, I think a coach is somebody that's just for a little further down the path and then help somebody else get there, but you gotta get there first. And that's not bad news, that's great news. That's the adventure, how else would anyone do it, right? So, so maybe that's just a really cool aside there is before we ever attack, hey, these people are trying to make money off somebody else. Hey, everybody has the right to make as much money as they want, but what I would say is, hey, make sure, make sure you know the expense of developing yourself or, or as we talked about with the doctor doing it ethically and for the right reasons. And if you find that combo, man, then I hope everybody becomes a billionaire. So what I find really interesting about like the coach, like as in is coaching a science or an art and like where I see the difference there is that I think everyone can learn the science. Like let's say every coach had the same knowledge base and could apply that knowledge base there will still be better coaches than other coaches. And where I think that that is slightly different is your ability to inspire or motivate your clients. Do you think that that, that A, that that is something you can teach or that has almost a science to it in itself? <laughs> like, are there aspects to it which, which like would need to be ticked off? And then obviously it's very different for different people. Like you were saying, you need to get to know your client and react to them. What motivates them? It's not going to be the same for everyone and yourself as well. And I guess like part of it, I'm kind of answering my own question, but part of it is that you won't be the best coach for everyone because yeah. some people find me really motivating. Other people probably don't resonate with me in the same way. Equally the same for any of us. That's why so many different coaches do well. And it's not just like one coach has all the clients. Yeah. Do you think there's something you could do? Like if you were thinking like, oh, I don't think I'm a very motivating coach. Like are there certain things you can implement to improve that? Because a, a lot of people are in this like fixed mindset of, oh, it's just my personality. I can't yeah. change that. No, absolutely. I think uh, you've hit, you went, that, that there are 10 rabbit holes that go off of what you just said. One was, is there a science within the science? And I would say yes. So somebody asked me once, they said, if you were going to create a curriculum, right? For instance, in the US, you can't go to university and, and, you come out with the title of a coach. You can go to university or medical school and come out as a doctor. You can come out as a lawyer. But the but why I wrote this too was anybody, somebody can say, hey, we need somebody for the, the football team. Uh, hey, now you're the coach. And they put your, the name on your shirt. And I believe it's a much more honorable title. And it's a title that takes incredible, incredible work. And uh where what you just called maybe would be for a doctor bedside manner. Can you teach it? And are there different doctors? Well, coaches all have a different bedside matter as well. And some will resonate with others, but do I believe you can change improve that? 
Absolutely. So it might be, hey, for instance, you might not even feel it, but sometimes I'm changing my tonality. I'm changing my energy level. I'm changing my enthusiasm and trying to do that for an audience that is now listening across the pond that can't even maybe see me. So there are techniques and, and I guess you could say styles or an art within that, or maybe even a science. But then it's choosing the words that you select, or the way that you select them. And is that person kinesthetic? Are they auditory? Are they visual? How do you move? What do you do? And, uh, but then it's, uh, there is personality to it. Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Are you, you know, it, what matches your style and will people resonate with that? But what I would say is there are definitely things you could do. For instance, I'm a storyteller. You could learn to tell better stories. You could. And so there are things you can do, but maybe here's the bigger question of them all. You ready, Emma? You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Well, the bigger one of them all, and this is again, going back to the listener right now, because you said something interesting today. Remember you were like, ah, but I was never an athlete. And this word, right? It's called identity. And see my identity I'm a coach and I believe I'm this like, I motivating on fire. I'm this guy I always wanted in my life. Veins in my neck, firing me up, going wild. But I know that guy isn't for everybody, right? But because it's me, I'm gonna continue to chase it. I'm gonna continue to improve. I wasn't always this guy, not even close. I've developed into this guy over 30 years because I'm chasing the thing that I wanna be and the thing that I'm most passionate about in the whole world. So. It's a gut check for everybody listening as we're going into 2021. Are you in coaching or, or fitness right now because that's just the job you fell into? Or is it your deep passion so deep in your gut that you would do anything to pursue it? Anything, you don't care about the money, you'll chase it anywhere, you'll go to any course, do anything to get your hands on a book, to be around the best in the world to improve. Because see, if that's the case, then I guarantee you will continue to improve and evolve. But if you were working as a waiter and somebody said you look fit and I got a job opening at the gym and now you're coaching people and you hate most of them and you're always arguing it with them, then you probably won't. But it's because of the bigger question is, who are you and who do you want to be, right? And uh, that, again, spinning it for the people that want to answer that today because who your identity is, who you believe you are, is who you'll become. Right. And, uh, and you've, here's the great word. Uh, I don't know, Emma, yet, if you've given yourself position to say you were a great athlete, you were a university athlete. That's like, that's like a top 0% in the world. It's so not maybe over you, here. It's uh, really well, not. Still, you might not but want a gold is, medal, but kind of like in my defense, I don't want to be enough. <laughs> like, I don't. Of not being a great athlete. Come on, Emma. No, my point is like, yeah. I don't, I don't identify as an athlete because I also don't want to be an athlete. Like I could actually think of nothing worse, (laughs) but I love being a coach. Like when you were talking about being a coach, like, yes, that is what I love, but I wouldn't call myself an athlete because it it isn't something I want to be. Okay. And, And so then you answered it. You see, perfect. And so I'm not here to try to convince you of that. What I was trying to do is who are you? right? And you just said, I'm a coach. That's what I want to be. Then you will be a great coach because you're going to continue to pursue it. Just like, hey, Mike, we better make sure the guy wants to be a doctor or he might not, you know, because there's a lot of people that become doctors because their parents were doctors and everybody said they should be a doctor and then they get there and they hate it, right? Mike's whole family are doctors, but yeah. Oh, uh, Mike, come on, man. Oh, uh, no, no, but that- you know what? So it was really interesting because I, I, I definitely had this whole process because 
I didn't want to become a doctor because my whole family were doctors. And also when I was, when I was in high school, my sister was in medical school and she hated it. And she, I remember this big, like, she had this big thing with my dad. She's like, I only did medicine because I knew you wanted me to. And he was like, I never told you to do medicine. And she's like, yeah, I know, but I knew that you wanted me to do it. So I did it. And he's like, cool, leave medical school. And she was like, I don't want to leave medical school. And it was like, you know, and then so from, and they had had this whole thing. And that like, I think some people almost convince themselves that they're doing it for different reasons. So my dad wouldn't speak to me about medical school. He's like, I'm not going through, you know, I'm not going through that again. If you want to do medicine, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to forge my own path. And then I was just like, I kind of want to do medicine. And I, I kind of fell into it. And then I didn't have that excuse. Every time it got hard, every time exams were difficult and I had to study really hard, I couldn't say, oh, I just did this because I got made to. I think some people do that sometimes when stuff gets hard, but it was interesting because when I finished medical school and started working as a doctor, I hated it. And what I didn't, I think what a lot of people don't realize in any career and in any life choice is that you can modify things to be what you want them to be. It doesn't have to be one thing. And it's really interesting hearing you talking about coaching and clients and different types of methods and stuff like that, because obviously like as in, in my job, um, it's not so that people don't have so much of a choice. Like if they want to see a doctor, they might just get allocated to see me and they might not be the kind of person who would, you know, if you're paying to see a coach, you're going to pay, you, you want to see somebody who you're going to gel with instantly, who you're not going to have to make a lot of effort with. Whereas we're often in these situations and sometimes, sometimes with some people, people just don't want to see you. They don't like the way that you do things and you try and modify the way that you do things for them, but they still don't get on with you. And then they have to just see somebody else. But then there are a lot of situations where I felt that people have been, you know, might have not been happy the first couple of times that they saw me. And then, you know, you kind of gradually can bring people around to different ways of doing things. And, and for yourself as well, because we do, I think we get stuck in doing things the way that we like to do them. Like what Martin's saying about, you know, you were saying about coaching people, getting amped up and stuff like that. But if you, if you realize that someone responds badly to that, like if you have that level of insight into your own communication skills and how you, how you, you know, work with people, then like you say, you're going to, you're going to naturally modify it. But if you don't have that insight, if you don't recognize that art of communication, like versus the science of this is the exercise that you do, if you want to get stronger quads, then maybe you're, you, you might become a good coach, but for a very specific type of person. Um, but if you don't develop, if you do develop that, then you could become an amazing coach for everybody. And those are, those are the great coaches and the great doctors that we see, like, you know, the people who just say, oh, they're, they're just such a great doctor. They're just such a great coach. And it doesn't matter who they're given to coach or, or to, to treat, they will do it for anyone. That's a level of emotional intelligence as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's developed over yeah. time with the experience. Is that something you believe you can teach? Or is that, does that just come with getting as much experience as possible? I'm just thinking for our developmental coaches as listeners, yeah. Martin. I think, I think, yeah, it's definitely, when I look at the books on my shelves, the... I have less coaching books now than I have books on relationships, conversation, tonality, speaking, emotional intelligence. And here would be a great story to use as an example. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe uh, both Mike and Emma will appreciate this because it's kind of funny. When I became a track and field coach uh, at the youth level and then the middle school level and high school level, when the kids were little, 
you know, you're really teaching them and you're, you know, it's not, you don't go too big into motivation because the kids are very small. It was very, you're teaching them, you know, you got to teach them everything. And then when we hit the middle school level, that's when I started to get motivating. But what I noticed now that I'm a, the high school coach, you know, the kids that are 14 to 18, when it would be like my boys relay team, I'd be in there and I'd have them all huddled up and I'd be like, guys, this is it. This is the last race of your life. We're going to get out there and you're going to win this. We're going to break the school record. You're going to have it forever. Let's go. And they'd be breathing heavy and they're fired up and they would go out and they would break that record. And it was this incredible experience. And at the same meet, our girls team, what could do the same thing. It was the four by four. They're ready for the record. I know they're going to break it. And I go, girls, we're going to break this record. This is it. This is all we're going to do. And they, two of them started crying. And, and I'm just like, no, you know, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. What's going on? And, and I learned, that was a few years ago. That was three years ago. I learned that, hey, not only is it within different people, introvert, extrovert, hey, male, female, what we're also saying here is age, experience, wisdom. And you know what? Here's a big lesson that I got from that. You ready for the big lesson, Dan? I'm ready. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready, Dan. I'm ready. I'm, I'm so ready. <laughs> so here is the big lesson that I don't think anybody ever probably teaches in a coaching course. You know what I say to each kid individually now when I meet with them? I say, how would you like me to coach you? What motivates you? Like, how, how, how do you want me to be? And, you know, they'll be nervous at first, but then they'll tell you, you know, and, and even you're ready for this. My daughter, which it might be hard to believe, she doesn't like rah-rah Martin Rooney get on fire. She, she'll say, dad, that doesn't motivate me. I like to stay motivated in my own head or something, something. So I have to, I had to curb my own style because I get really fired up around her when it's my own kid. And that, that is, she doesn't mesh with that one. Right. Especially as she's gotten older. I think she did when she was littler, but she I think so that's, that's I, possibly goes with her fathers as well. We just, yeah, without them. a doubt, without a doubt, some of that's happening. But what I mean is, and then I'll say, how do you want me to coach you? And so I think, I think what a breakthrough, right? Like, cause I, so here's what I'm saying, Mike, how, you know, say for a doctor, like, hey, how would you like me to explain my diagnosis? Or how would you like me? And no doctor does that. They walk in and they're doing their thing. And it's as if I like my doctor or not, where I think part of the artistry is you got to know what they want and meet them where they are. And, uh, and it took, again, me making mistakes. So for everybody listening, so here would be a great uh, line I use a lot. Like I keep this on my desk. This is my judo black belt. Uh, you know, something I'm really proud of, as proud as any of the degrees that I've earned. And I keep it here, one, as a reminder to try to be a black belt in everything that I do. But uh, I also keep it as a reminder, too, that even though I might wear a black belt around my waist, I should always still keep a white belt around my mind, that there are always new things to learn and new possibilities. But the last thing is, the black belt isn't the black belt because they make no mistakes it's because they've made all of them. And the goal is not to make them anymore, right? So it's, you know, you're gonna still make mistakes, but you wanna make as few as possible. And uh, it's funny, cause that just sits there and it just, you know, my reminder for that. But again, for everybody listening, I didn't get where I got by making no mistakes. I got where I got by making them all and then fit, learning the lesson and trying not to make it again, right? And I think, again, that's part of the artistry like Mike was saying, how do the people aspire to be a great 
doctor, how does somebody aspire to be a great business owner? It's by having the disasters, the catastrophes, and then becoming more. And hey, COVID has created that for us again. And, and who will come out of this thing on top will be the ones that have grown the most and uh, learned the biggest lessons. That's so fascinating. And I think like from almost like a completely different perspective of this, but from like a marketing perspective as a coach, I would almost give the opposite advice of like, because if you're, I think the issue is if you try and be the best coach for everyone, you're not the best coach for anyone. Like the same as kind of what you were saying about if you're, you know, Mike's really worried about saying how well he's been doing over the pandemic because other people aren't. So he's too worried to say something positive in case it affects someone else negatively, which means that he isn't going to affect anyone positively. So you're kind of losing out. And I see a little bit of the same with coaching is that like, I love that you obviously come across as rah-rah, like, let's go. That is part of your personality. It's how you coach. Now you wouldn't do that with every single client. But let's be real, most of the people that are attracted to working with you are motivated by that. I, I, would, um, I would say probably for sure. And what we're talking about here would be, hey, what's your niche? Or yeah, yes, yeah. But, you know, yeah. So do I think, I think, could somebody coach everybody? Possibly, but here's a great line. You ready? The, the, you know, this one everybody loves. The easiest way to be unhappy is to try to make everyone else happy. So and there's a great quote, I think it's from Steve Jobs. He said, and if you want to make everybody happy, you Dude. know, don't own a business, go sell ice cream, right? <laughs> so, so definitely, yeah, I'm not saying there's a panacea. I'm saying in whatever your space is. So for instance, when I'm training UFC fighters, those guys, yeah, they're motivated out of their minds. When you're training NFL athletes, absolutely. But there is still the art of who wants to hear what and not everybody wants it, you know? And uh, and I think it's timing as well, isn't it? Like uh, I've got clients who might be motivated by one thing, but it's knowing that it's knowing when to say sharp and get it done or okay. Like here's a pat on the back. Like let's regroup, yeah. like when to give the tough love and when not to give the tough love. And I think that is a, a real skill, like when to really push someone and when to be like, it's time to just chill for a day. Cause you'll yeah. do better tomorrow if you do. But oh, that's sure. part of just like getting to know your client base. Yeah. And, and the depth, what are we talking about here? Coaching is a relationship, right? Like you've built a relationship. It's the same thing in a personal relationship. Like, uh, Hey, with my wife, I got to know, you know, Hey, we need to get this done. Or, uh, you know, you did a great job that these all cross over to everything you do. And when you make a little mistake in that area, you pay for it. Right. So, so like Dan said, uh, this book, that's why I couldn't separate them out, right? Like, so whether you call yourself a teacher, a leader, a husband, a wife, a father, you're, you're a coach to those people. So everyone, you know, Mike, you're a coach, you're coaching people in their health, right? And that's what a doctor does. So, and, and if you're a financial person, you're coaching people with their money. If you're a nutritionist, you're coaching people in their diet. So what I tried to do was create or start the conversation to get everybody to realize they're also a coach, because if you don't identify as that, you, uh, you won't do it. And here's an interesting thing. This is the book. It just came out in German, right? And, uh, you want to know something interesting about Germany in the German language? Cause, uh, my parents lived in Germany for a bunch of years. And, uh, so I speak some German. Okay. You ready for this? 
there's no word coach in the German language. They don't no. even have it. They, they their word that. is trainer. So their word is like trainer. And whenever they use the word coach, it's kind of like life coach or business coach. And they love the idea of the book because it's redefining what a coach means. Because if you don't even have the word, how can you have the skill, right? Imagine there was no such word as doctor, Mike, then we wouldn't have any, right? So it's kind of, uh, so that's what I've tried to take on too, that when people read the book, I want them to never think about what the word means the same way again, right? And mm -hmm. I think sometimes, right, like kind of what we've hinted at, some people hear the word coach and they think crazy guy screaming in your face or they think somebody telling you you're nothing and then you hating sports. These are the experiences people have had, but yet I believe it's such an honorable title and a title that when somebody calls you coach, they've given you the reins to their life. Like that, that is the, just calls you doctor. There is this respect and this, this uh, thing that goes along with it that you're going to listen to what they say, man, the word coach is just as powerful. And, you know, so when somebody says that's my coach, man, they have an incredible uh, power bestowed on them, but they better use it to empower that person. So, uh, you know, just interesting stuff that we're talking about today, right? I didn't know we would be getting into identity and, and uh, linguistics and language no. and, to the, and to the depth we've gone, but that's what makes this such a great conversation because there isn't a definitive answer. And that's why, I think that's why it's so fun to talk about it, right? Just like, hey, what's the perfect diet? You know, it doesn't exist. If it if it did, we'd all eat it, and that and we'd be done with the with the conversation. And Absolutely. hey, so what's the what's the perfect way to coach? There isn't, and that's why everybody can weigh in on what they think, which makes it fun. And and that is exactly why we wanted the coaches coach to come on and talk coach to coach. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> Seamless segue. So just there's so much wisdom there, Martin. Can just just for our listeners, something to pump them up, some something to inspire them. One of your many stories, which I'm not going to steal from your book, but possibly something of an exclusive, maybe. Yeah. You can share with our listeners just to close the podcast for us. All right. Well, here's here's a here's a cool one, and I haven't told, so it's a different way. And maybe this this will be neat because for every coach out there, we talked about a lot of things today. I think it was pretty. I, th I think we hit some really groundbreaking stuff. So for anybody that was listening, and if you liked this, let everybody know about it. So if you give uh, the Three Musketeers some great feedback and that you loved having this or you did like hearing this, then hey, we'll do something again. Because I really feel, unfortunately, like we just scratched the surface, you know, mm -hmm. really what, with what we just did. But, uh, but here's one going into the holidays that I think would be really important, right? Um, a lot of people don't know, sometimes I don't talk about this, but when people ask me who was my most inspiring coach, uh, it's easy for me to say uh, with the book, I, uh, I dedicated it to a coach that found me when I was very young and kind of saved me from a dark place. But that guy was already building on the bedrock that had been, had been instilled in me by another coach. And that coach was my mom, right? Uh, my mother was a physical education teacher. She had her master's in health. And, uh, and when physical education took a backseat in the United States, uh, she actually had two friends pass away of cancer in the 80s. And before it was so en vogue, she created a not-for-profit company just to work with women with cancer. She became a lymphedema specialist, a wig specialist, a breast prosthetist, everything to create an environment for women uh, that, that, that what she saw wouldn't happen again. 
But when she raised me, she raised me to eat right, to make sure I got eight hours of sleep, make sure I got my breakfast every day and how important that was. And so many of the lessons she taught me about health still, they, they're, they're uh, evergreen, right? They just never, they never went out of style. And so she was my greatest coach. And there was this story she told me once that maybe really influenced who I am as a coach. And, uh, and I think it could be one of the most powerful things people hear around the holidays right now. So there was this physical education teacher and he had won state awards and then national awards. And every year this guy was known as the guru of physical education in the United States. And she had to learn more about it. She had to know what was going on. And she attended a seminar where this guy got another award and they asked him, they said, what is your secret? Like, how do you do it? Like, how do you continue to produce these results in physical education, which is so tough? And he said, well, I don't think there's anything special about me. I don't know more than anyone else. And I don't, uh, I don't uh, have access to technology or anything that anyone else doesn't have. He said, but there are two things, two goals that I have every year when I start a new year that I think make me different. He said, goal number one, he said every year when the, when the uh, school year begins, I have to be the one that paints the lines on the basketball court. You know, so I'm the guy that paints the lines in the gymnasium. And he said, my first goal is that by the end of that year, I have run these kids so much and got them to exercise so much that they've worn away the lines, that we gotta paint the lines again. But he says, but goal number two is maybe the one that really does it. He said, goal number two is that I want when those kids go home every day and they get the question, right? Do you know what the question is? The question is, how was school today, Johnny? You know, what did you learn today, Dan? And uh, he said, I want those kids to talk about me. I want them to talk about the class and what they learned. And he said, so I am not creating teaching plans. I'm not teaching exercises. He said, every day I wanna go in and I wanna create memories. So think about that. Like that's what a coach does. You know what I'm really good at? Man, I create memories. You spend time around me, you're not gonna forget it. Cause I know when I go in, I'm not just there to deliver a new push-up variation or a new squat, right? Like I'm in there to create some memory so they don't forget. And they're thinking about me when they're, when they're not with me, which is where the real results happen. And uh, guys, the holidays are coming. Don't just give somebody a gift, give them a memory, right? The holidays and the new year is coming. Don't just give somebody and spend some pounds on a present, man, spend your energy on creating a memory because at the end of somebody's life, it won't be the stuff you had when you're sitting in that hospital bed that maybe Mike has seen. It's going to be about the memories of what you did or what you didn't do. And if you could be the person in somebody's life that created some really great memories, man, then someday you'll be the most popular person, you know, and, uh, that is a, a insight into the mindset of how I approach everything. That's what I tried to do for the listeners today. So I hope I did it that I, you at least came away with one thing you wouldn't forget, but, it's given you a roadmap that in every conversation and every interaction, you realize it's not ordinary, right? It's incredible. And you could use that moment uh, to do something great. 
because I think the biggest tragedy in most people's lives is uh, that most of the days they spend, they never leave them with some kind of great memory. And man, what a waste, right? Because every day, every minute is an opportunity to have one. So hopefully that story is uh, powerful and motivating. And, so. uh, and yeah. I'm wishing everybody happy holidays. And, and I hope that uh, everybody really enjoyed what we went over today. I'm certainly not going to forget this podcast. And if I can urge any of our listeners to go out and they want to hear a little bit more of that, it's go out, get Martin's book, Coach the Coach. It's amazing. I got it on Audible. I listened to it on three dog walks. I had to buy it as well. Um, where else can people find you? Martin? Yeah. So, uh, hey, I'm on Instagram, always putting some stuff out there. So you'll see whether it's the athletes or my adventures or, uh, you know, not traveling obviously now, but I was always somewhere in the world doing something or you'll see videos of my daughter who I talked about. That's at vmartinrooney.com or, or no, just vmartinrooney on Instagram. And then, hey, I'm on Facebook, but you could check out coachinggreatness.com. There's some really cool blogs about coaching there if people liked, or if you want to hear more about training for warriors, you could see training for warriors too. But yeah, hey, this book is a great Christmas gift. If, you, if you're afraid of books, don't be. This is one you'll read. Most people read it in a couple of sittings and they read it again. So there's a lot of gold inside waiting. And, uh, and hey, that besides memories, that can make a great holiday gift too. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Martin. No, that my was pleasure, amazing. My Thank pleasure. you. I, I, I must pre-warn you, we do round this up in a very British way. It's All kind right. of our thing. I'm ready. So. It's a cup of tea. It's just a cup of tea. Now, as the usual, if you if you love this, guys, let us leave us a review, rate us, let us know on your Instagram stories, and we will say goodbye in the usual fashion. Bye. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>